it's important to remind ourselves of who we are. Uh, who, who are we? What is our purpose? Why do we exist? And I really feel that we need to do that not only on a corporate level, but as individual individuals. I firmly believe in vision. I firmly believe in purpose. I firmly believe in what are we setting out to do? What is, our, what is, our, are we, what is it that we are called to do? And so this morning, um, you know, as this year went by already, we're in halfway, halfway in, into this year. That's just so amazing to me. Uh, we started off preaching a series on uh, new wells. Um, prophetically, God gives us this word where we just impart it and we share it and we did that. And, and then God gave me the word, you know, to speak like a king, declare de- uh, declarations and decrees, how to make declarations over your circumstances and over things in your life, how to decree over those. And I hope you heard that word. We're going we're gonna to take today and we're going we're gonna to just take a moment to remind ourselves of who we are at CWC. Who are we? What are we out to do? What is our purpose? What is our purpose? And first of all, I want to talk about um, just the Word of God and what are we called to do here at CWC. As you know, our statement of purpose is on the right and our motto is on the left. Um, and it is to know God and to make Him known. Um, One second, please. So the question's asked, who are we? Uh, we are a church of all races and all backgrounds and all generations serving one God. That is just not a slogan to us. Those of us who have been here for a long time, that, that motto or that description on the wall is very, very important to us. Martin Luther King said that America is the most segregated at 11 o'clock every Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning, America is at at its most segregated time of the week. And he said that because even today that is still true. Because you have Hispanics meeting with Hispanics. You have African Americans meeting with African Americans. You have the white meeting with white. You have Samoans meeting with Samoans, Filipinos meeting with Filipinos, and on and on and on. And it's still like that today in America. It's amazing that we go to school together all week. It's amazing that we work together all week. But come Sunday morning, everybody flocks to their own. That was never, ever the vision God gave us in this house. Never. Never. God has called us to be a church of many races. To be able to worship next to our brothers and sisters of a different color, a different background, a different social status. And to be able to worship freely. We, those who belong to this church, who call this church home, we have to protect that. We have to be jealous for that. There have been those who have come in and out of our church along the way. And they don't like the color that's in our church. They don't like the fact that we believe this and this is how it's supposed to be. And friend, I respect that completely. That's why I let them know that they can pick another church to go to. When people come to our church from other churches, we have to remind them they came into our house. They came into our house. We didn't go into their house. 
So often people come to us from other churches and they want to change who we are and they want to tell us how things are supposed to be and they want to tell us how to preach, how to teach and how things are supposed to operate. And with everything in me, as gentle as I can, I let them know, folks, you are in our house. If that's, that's not good enough for you, I mean, I would not, if you asked me to dinner, I wouldn't go to your house to sit down for dinner and say, you know what, you got to change the paint in this living room. Uh, that couch, gone. It's out of here. This food, uh, you need to take some lessons, sister, on how to cook. What would you do if I did that? You would show me the door in a, in a, in a New York minute, right? In a New York minute? Second, sorry. In a New York second. You would. You would not tolerate that. And yet, sometimes people come into our house, and especially Christians. Now, by the way, that is not our purpose, and I'm going to talk to you about that in a second. But it happens in America. More churches transfer, uh, people transfer churches in America than any other country in this world. Any other country in this world. When I first started pastoring here some close to 23 years ago now, I remember sitting with the pastor who owned this facility um, next door just to meet him. And he says, oh, you're probably going to join the circle, Pastor Steve. And I said, well, what circle? Well, you know, every couple of years we all, uh, he was speaking about, this was Calvary Community Church. He was speaking of First Assembly and then First Baptist and Sequoia Heights. We all kind of shift membership every two years. And I said, well, with all due respect, that's not my calling. So what do you mean by that? I said, my calling is not to be shifting members with you all. My calling is to go out and win the lost, to go out and reach the down and out, those who are brokenhearted. That's what I'm called to do. I don't want to be shifting members with anybody. And where is that even God's will and God's word? I was a young buck, so I didn't say too much. But I really believed that then, and I really believe it now. I really do. We are CWC here. We are Christian Worship Center. We don't make excuses for who we are. We don't try to cover up our sin because we know that we are a sinful people. We know that we are not perfect people. And we don't have a perfect pastor and a perfect ministry by no shape, by no sense of the imagination. And so we try to be transparent and we try to be open and we try to repent before the Lord and say, God, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me, Lord God, when I fall. Forgive me when I do wrong. That's who this family must remain. That's how we started and that's how we must remain. Transparent, honest. Not the phony baloney stuff. Not pretending that we're holy when we're all messed up inside. Who wants to belong to something like that? Who wants to belong to something like that? We need to be honest with each other. We need to stimulate fellowship. Because in fellowship we learn that we need each other. We are a church of all races, all backgrounds, and all generations. Listen, I, um, I don't know how to say this without offending anybody, but I'm not called to a certain race, and I'm not called to a certain status or economic status. That's just not what we're called to. Jesus said he came to the sick and to the poor. Why would that be? Does that mean he wouldn't want to reach the rich? Absolutely not. But it's the poor who need and need help. It's the sick who need and need help. That's what we're called to. We are called to reach the lost, to reach the hurting, to believe that God can save them. 
One of the books that have helped me tremendously over the years is a book by Rick Warren called Purpose Driven Church. Purpose Driven Church is in Orange County. I think it's Orange County. It's called Saddleback Community Church. And that community is a high-income area, high-technology, powerful, powerful ministry. One of the largest churches of America. I've been there a few times. He will tell you this is what the people of our church look like. And we don't apologize for it. And for me, for, I can't speak for him, but for my church, I cannot do that. Because we need to find everybody in that place, all colors of skin in that place, all backgrounds in that place, and say that's what our church looks like. And we have to protect that. We have to protect that. We have to be able to say that all races are welcomed here. I still remember when 9-11 hit, when the Twin Towers were annihilated by the terrorists. That is something that I'll never forget. We were actually at a pastor's retreat. I got a phone call like about 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning and said, you got to turn the TV on. Uh, do you remember where you were? How many remember where you were when, when 9-11 hit? Yeah, most of us do. That was um, this is something that will never be forgotten. And then the weeks to follow. It's like all of a sudden America started to figure out, I need God. Oh, patriotism was, you know, they weren't burning flags anymore, but they were flying flags high everywhere. People were flocking to church because now they were insecure and they were vulnerable to the enemy and they were coming to church. Do you remember that? I remember on a Sunday morning service, I just had gotten off the pulpit. I was making an altar call. We were in the powerhouse next door. And a little Arab boy walked up to me. He couldn't have been more than... 12, 13 years old. I knew he was Arab the moment I saw him. And he said to me, why do, they peop- why do they hate me? I don't even know who he was. But he just had to find a church that day because of everything that was going on. And he just said to me, why do they hate me so much? I didn't do anything to anybody. Can I be here? Is it okay for me to be here? And I just embraced him and wept with him and hugged him. That little guy was just weeping. And I said, you are welcomed in this house. You are welcomed in this house. And this is a safe place for you to be. And that's the way we should do with everybody who comes into this place. Oh, we don't condone sin of other people or lifestyles or things like that. But I want you to know something that everybody who comes to these doors, they have a right to repent and get their lives right just like I did. And just like you did, without being judged. Without being judged. So we are a church of all races and all backgrounds, and we're serving one God. Our purpose is to know him and to make him known. Well, come on, preacher, you had that up there for 20 years already. It's never going to change. That's my passion. That's my purpose in life. That's why I was born I'm talking about me. I was born to help people know God. That's my destiny. That's what I was created for. Before I was even in the womb of my mother, God ordained me. He set me aside. He set my life aside. And he said to me, you are set apart and I will use you for what? To help people know me. 
That's just what I do. Look at Philippians chapter 3 for a minute. Philippians chapter 3. Mm. Can you say amen? amen? And we're going to pick it up in verse 10. Why don't we read this together, even if you have a different version? I'm reading from the New King James, the only real and true version. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to say that. But, uh, <laughs> we are a multi-version preaching church, except New World Translation. If you've got that, you're using the wrong ones, I will definitely take it from you and give you the right one after service. Ready? Verse 10. Ready? Go. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection... All two of you got a Bible? Like two people got a Bible in this house. All right. Oh, let's try it again then. Verse 10. This is chapter 3 of Philippians, verse 10. Ready? One, two, three, go. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for of which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Can you say amen? Yes, powerful, powerful, powerful. The Apostle Paul was a fascinating man. Fascinating man. He was actually a persecutor of the church. He wasn't just a beer-guzzling biker dude somewhere who, you know, would just want to cause ruckus everywhere. No offense if that's who you are. <laughs> the Apostle Paul was an educated man. He was raised in the Old Testament, born into it, raised and taught by the best. Very, very smart. When he became of age, he figured that those who were preaching Jesus were an abomination. So the Apostle Paul would go around persecuting every believer he possibly could, he could find, all in the name of Yahweh, all in the name of Elohim, all in the name of God. So he would do awful things to people. In fact, there was one young man who was so full of the Holy Ghost that they stoned him. His name was Stephen. And Saul, who was later Paul, Paul the Apostle, his original name was Saul. He was there watching and helping with that persecution of Stephen. And then one day he's walking down this road and Jesus appears to him and he says to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? There's one thing I want to say to you here, folks. This place is just a temple. It's a house. And what we do, there's nothing super special about CWC, about me, or about you. Here is the thing that you must understand. All of this together makes up the kingdom of God. It is not my kingdom. I didn't establish it. I didn't plan it. And when you speak about the church, when you speak about the minister, when you speak about your brother, your sister, and the Lord, you are persecuting Jesus. You're persecuting the Lord. 
You're persecuting the Lord. He said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I imagine Saul would have said, I didn't touch you. I touched all them. But Jesus was saying, they're me. They're my family. You touch them, you touch me. And it was at that road to Damascus that the Saul had a great conversion. And he changed his name. You see, Saul meant great. But God changed his name to Paul, which means puny. Isn't that God? <laughs> That's just God. Saul became puny, but he became huge. He became nothing so that he, become, he can become everything. Here is the same apostle who says now in chapter 3 that I may know him. Well, he met him on the road to Damascus. He studied him his whole life. And from that point where he had that conversion, some nine years later is when he began his ministry. So there was a time of just sanctification and learning and learning and learning and getting close to Jesus and getting filled up with the Holy Ghost. And then he was launched off into ministry. And as he went to the church of Philippi, the first thing he wrote to them, oh, that I may know him. How many have been saved five years or more? Ten years, keep your hand up. Twenty years, keep your hand up. Twenty-five years. Thirty years. Forty? Forty years, keep your hand up. Fifty? Wow. Amen. Wow. Yes, amen. Mm. I have studied God for the last 23 years. Studying, praying, worshiping, getting to know him. And I would say to you right now, I want to know him. I want to know him. The apostle Paul says, I haven't attained perfection yet. There's nothing that I have attained. Who are we to think that we know everything about God? Are you awake this morning? Who are we to think that we know how the church is supposed to be, how we are supposed to be, how the kingdom of God is supposed to be? Listen, I take the position that I'm a student. I take the position that I have a lot to learn, that I have a lot to, to benefit from people who have gone before me. It's just who, who I am. And I hope and pray that that's what's said of my church, that my church is a student church, learning and growing and searching. And in the heart, the very soul, the very depths of our soul, we would say, oh, that I would know him. The power of his resurrection. I want to know God. You've been saved 20 years. I want to know God. You've been saved 30 years. What's wrong with you? You should know him by now. I want to know him. Oh, because I haven't attained anything yet. I have not been perfected yet. I want to know God. And that's what I do. I want to help you know God. Whether it's on a Sunday morning, a Tuesday night Bible college, a Wednesday night service, whether it's in one-on-one discipleship, 
whether it's in home Bible studies, we have so many different facets of knowing God in this house. Every single one of them will help you know the Lord. I was blessed. Um, there is nothing, you know, you, you don't get to see Kel, my wife, here, you know, here, because this, this is not her ministry in here. Her ministry is with the children. I have tried to pull her out and to get her in here with me. She won't do it. She just won't do it. Her thumbprint is all over the kids' ministry. And sometimes, yeah. Sometimes she gets discouraged and she gets down because she feels that every single person in this house should be as passionate about the kids as she is. What blessed me was, you know, my daughter, Corey, who uh, is also, you know, gone through ministry, born in this church. And, and now she's, she's just starting to find who she is in ministry, not so much pastor's daughter anymore. Gifted. She's incredibly gifted. Grew up through many masters and grew up through the youth and internship and did Bible college and graduated straight A. She did it all. And, but now she's no longer doing this because she's daddy's daughter and PK. You know, she's a pastor's kid. But now she's trying to find her own. And all of a sudden, she told me she's going to be teaching a missionettes on Wednesday night. And I was like, wow. I, I haven't heard that from her. You know, she's always talked about drama and music and on and on. Well... I, whatever, babe, go, go for it, you know. Well, one night we're at the house and Josh was over and the kids were over and little Kaleo, uh, Josh's boy, began to talk about Jonah. And he began to talk about, you know, going to Tarshish and Nineveh. And, and I was listening to him. And I said, where did you learn all that? He said, from Auntie Corey. And I thought, you know, how amazing is that? How amazing is that, that there's still people in this house. There's still people like Rob, you know, our Royal Ranger commander, Ellis. There's still people like Kel and the nursery people who work so hard to not just babysit our kids. We don't have a babysitting ministry, but our people impart their lives into them. They help our children know God. They help them know God. They help them know the Lord. That's what CWC is about. We're about the kids. We're about the babies. We're about raising up a godly generation. That's what we're about. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Oh, not that I have already attained. I want you to know none of us have attained. Therefore, none of us could put a finger at anybody. Nor can we judge. Just does not happen and should not happen. Cannot happen. But every one of us, come on now, listen, every one of us have to work hard at working out our salvation before the Lord. Every one of us have to work hard at working it through, working it out. Hallelujah. Because we haven't attained yet. We haven't attained yet. Amen. One second here, I'm losing. Well, when technology fails, you go right back to the old way, amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. 
What do we believe? That Jesus Christ rose from the dead and that he's going to return, that he was born of a virgin. We don't try to debate that and try to prove that. We just believe that. We believe it. We teach it. We're a full gospel church. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We don't apologize for that. We don't want to make you feel uncomfortable if you don't speak in tongues, and that will never happen in this house. But don't be offended when this strange tongue starts saying other things that you don't know about, but my Father in heaven knows what I'm saying. We're a full gospel church. And we know what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We know what it is to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, to be sent to do the work of the ministry, to be sent to do the things of God. I want you to know that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not a one-time event. You can be baptized in the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. When was the last time you spoke in tongues? When was the last time you wept before the Lord and just broke before him? We believe it's okay to weep before God. We believe it's okay to raise our hands in worship. We believe it's okay to clap our hands. And if someone is jump and dance, and that's okay too. They're not going to be told to sit down. We don't do that here. Well, listen, we do do that here. There is liberty in this house. And we do worship a God with freedom. With freedom. I have an issue with some folks that won't worship God that way, but you go to a ball game or to their kids' soccer game or their kids' little league games, and they act like fools. But they come to church, arms crossed, won't even, do a th- won't even clap. I just saw you acting like a fool yesterday at your kids' football game. Screaming. When Corey Corey was in karate under Sensei Jason, he had her in tournaments, you know, and I I was really envisioning my daughter as black belt, right, you know, traveling the nation, taking people out. That's what I saw my daughter doing, you know what I mean? So Jason gets her involved at a tournament, and they're matching people up. You know, she was, I think, barely a purple belt, like or orange belt, second stage. And she goes up against a girl who's a little bigger than her, heavier, and she's a brown belt, one step below. And she came up to me and said, Dad, I'm so scared. I said, all right, me too, but just be calm. (laughs) Just be calm. And this is what I want you to do, Corey. Whatever happens, you strike first, and you strike hard. I don't care what happens. You hit first. Do not wait. So, you know, getting ready for this match, and she's down there, and the both two are coming up, and I'm sitting up in the bleachers at the school on the top, and I start yelling, hit first, hit first, hit first. Well, the sensei, who was a referee, timed out. I walked over to the bleachers, and he said, you. And I was looking around like, who's he talking to? One more out of you, and you're out of here. I was like, you can't, well, I didn't know you can't encourage your kid to hit somebody, you know. You have to just encourage both kids. And I said, all right. That was embarrassing, though, for the preacher, amen. Well, who was that fool? That's my pastor, you know. (laughs) 
Corey took that young lady to overtime, and she lost in overtime, but I was very, very proud of her. Very proud of her. There won't be any referees in this house telling you you can't shout here. You can't clap your hands here. Come on, let's just get, let's just believe. Amen. We believe it. We believe in 16 tenets of faith that are published in the back of the church. We have our doctrine, what we believe in here. Now, we're not saying that everybody has to believe like us. We welcome the Baptists and the Methodists and Presbyterians, but don't come into our house and tell us what to believe. This is our house. This is our house. We believe in the complete church. We believe in the cornerstone, Jesus, the apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. And we believe in the seventh part of that team, which are you. You are the saints. You see, the scripture says in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, that my anointing would be apostolic. My anointing is to help the saints and perfect them. So without you, I have no purpose in life. The prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher has no purpose in life without the saints. For what? For the equipping of the ministry to do the work of the ministry. So the saints of God, here's what I want you to know. Sunday morning church and Wednesday church, CWC is much more than just coming to listen to a preacher and to listen to good music and to worship. If we are moving in the right direction, then we are empowering all of you to move in your gifting because every one of you are gifted by God. And God has called you into his work, into his kingdom, whatever it might be. And so I want to leave you with that this morning. Pastor Ben, would you help me? I want you to know that you have a purpose in life. I want you to know that you have a reason for being born. It's not just getting, uh, being born, growing up, going to work, having a family, uh, retiring and dying. No, there's a purpose. God knew you from before the womb, and he gave you gifts and talents that he wants to use in the ministry here. Somebody said to me, you know, I don't have any talent, but I, I like to smile. I said, you'd be a great greeter. That's a ministry. That's a ministry. Well, pastor, I don't sing in the choir, and I don't do this, and I don't do that, but you know I'm pretty good with a hammer. Well, how about coming out once in a while and fixing things around here? That's a ministry. That's a ministry. So many, every one of you are talented, and you have a gift. Some of you can sing. You sing like angels. We need you to sing here in church. Some of you are good with kids. We need your help in kids' ministry. We need help in ushering. I mean, you know, I think the perception is, oh, the church is always asking for help. Well, there's needs, absolutely, but that's not the core reason. The core reason is I don't have a purpose in life if I'm not equipping you to do the work that God has called you to do. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? I am called to help stir up your gift so that you can do the work God has called you to do, whatever it might be. Stand to your feet this morning. Hallelujah. Precious Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 
I want to leave you with this this morning, church. It's time to dream again. It's time to dream again. To dream big because we serve a big God. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. He wants to do great things in your life. You have purpose and you have value. You are not forsaken. You are not forsaken. What do you see when you see yourself in the mirror? Man, life clouds our perception of ourselves. Life happens and clouds our perception of ourselves. But you know what God sees? He sees somebody that was created just a little bit lower than the angels. He sees somebody whose sin has been cast into the depths of the sea. He sees somebody who is gifted and talented, who he has called into this great kingdom to do his work. I want you to know you are people of value and you are precious to God. And if you didn't know it by now, you're precious to me. I love pastoring this church. As messed up, uh, thank you, as messed up as I can be. I don't take it for granted for one second. When I was 23 years old, 24 years old, I wept unto the Lord and said, why me? I wanted to be a high school football coach. That's what I wanted to do. That was my goal in life. Why me, God? And here I am today at the ripe old age of 49, and I still say, why me? There's so many more people who are much better than I am, preach better than I can, more eloquent than I am. And it always comes back to the same thing, because I chose you. Because I chose you. And I want you to know this, that he's chosen you too. In whatever capacity it is that he's called you to. Just raise your hands right now, could you? Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I want you to know something. If somebody, if life, if circumstances have said to you that you're no good, you're not going to amount to anything, you have no purpose, I want you to know that is a lie from the pit of hell. And I want you to know that God has called you into this great family into this great family and you belong. You're not a stranger in this house. You're not a cousin of this family or second or third relative of this family. You belong. This is your family. This is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God. And I encourage you right now, just receive that word. Receive that word. Come on, say, I receive that. In the name of Jesus, I receive that. I receive that word. Father, I pray right now, God, 
that a new chapter in CWC would begin, Father. I really pray, my God, for new dreams and new visions, Father God. Lord, that the latter, Father God, will be greater than the former. I pray, Father God, that our best years are yet to come. I pray, Father God, that this church would believe that we can turn a city upside down, that we can change the world one person at a time, one church at a time. I pray, my God, huge dreams and visions upon this church. I speak it over this house. I see this house as full. I see this city changed. And I see the cities around us, my God, being affected by this ministry. Lord, we worship you. Thank you, my God. That it doesn't matter what we have gone through here. Your hand has always been upon Christian Worship Center. And for that, I'm extremely humbled. And I thank you. And I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Give somebody a big hug or a handshake. God bless you, church.